Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. And happy Father's Day again to everyone. It's great to be with you all today in person. So many of you in the room, which is so wonderful after a very sparse year. And for all of you joining online, it's great to have you be with us this morning. So last week, Todd began a series called Pursuing the Presence of God. And if there's one thing that's vital in our relationship with God, it's, it's knowing his presence. It's knowing him and it's knowing his presence because we know from experience that one encounter with the presence of God can change everything. One, one moment in the presence of God can far surpass 100 hours of counseling. Not that counseling is not a good thing, we, we, we endorse that as well, but coming into the presence of the living God changes things, changes us. And as a church, we want to pursue more of that and, and more of what that means for us. But let's review what the presence of God actually is. So. The definition that Todd used last week was simply this. The presence of God, when we're talking about it, it's when we become unusually aware of God's proximity to us, because we know that God is always with us, don't we? Scripturally, that's true. But when we talk about the presence of God, we're talking about the, we're, our awareness of how close he actually is. And it's a, it's a churchy phrase, the presence of God. If, if you're not used to it, it sounds a little bit weird, doesn't it? <laughs> so, you know, there's even songs that sing about the presence of God. I, I love, I love your presence, is our, some, you know, some of the tunes that we sing, but it's a little bit strange. You know, if I'm with Todd and he walks in the room, I'm not going to say, I just love your presence. You know, I'd say, I love you. But we talk about the presence of God a lot in church, and so it's important for us that we really understand what that means and, um, and, and to define it and to answer some questions around it. And so, um, you know, last week, if you haven't listened to last week's sermon or you weren't there, I'd, I'd encourage you to catch up on it. But Todd talked about how through Jesus, the presence of God has been made accessible to all of us. But this week, I want to address a question that I think is actually really important, and that is this. Is the presence of God safe? Is the presence of God safe? That may seem like a strange question to ask or to talk about, but as I've been thinking about this series, I've thought this question actually needs to be answered. And, and obviously, I'll explain more of that um, as we get into the heart of this sermon. Um, because the reality is, is that if you've been around in church at all, the presence of God can take us outside of our comfort zone. And as humans, we need to know that we're safe, right? <laughs> if we sense danger, or if we're uncertain about something, we will take a step back. We will want to protect ourselves. And so we need to know that entering into the presence of God is a safe place for us to go to. And I could talk for hours about God's presence, but yeah, if you're not certain that it's safe, then there's going to be some hesitancy, isn't there? And so 
as I was mulling over this question of, is the presence of God safe, I was reminded of uh, one of my favorite stories, which comes from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And many of you will be familiar with this story, but in this particular scene, it's, it's very early on in the book, there's these four children, four Pevensey children. They've just entered into the land of Narnia, and they're met by a beaver. And he takes them to his home. And so these four children are dining with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And the beavers are talking about Aslan and how Aslan would come and deliver them from this curse that was over the entire land. The children, not having heard of him, inquire about who, who he is. Who is Aslan? And this is where it will pick up. Mr. Beaver responds to them and says, Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I just love this. I love this scene. And I think that there's a lot of correlations between what they're experiencing in that moment and what we're talking about today because obviously these children are uncertain that they even want to meet Aslan now that they know he's a lion. Do they really want to go meet him? Is he safe? Um, this doesn't sound like a good idea. But they don't know that once they meet Aslan, their lives are changed forever. They don't know that actually they're going to be given new identities as kings and queens. They don't know that they're actually about to have a before and after in their lives, like before Aslan and after Aslan. They don't know any of these things, and so they're hesitant, and they're, they're, they're wondering if they should go meet him. And I think that we can have that tendency, can't we, with, just like the Pevensey children, when it comes to our understanding of the presence of God, it can seem intimidating or strange. And so we want to know, is the presence of God safe? And you know, as we discuss it, as we're talking about it, maybe today you're sitting here and you're a little bit torn because you feel that this is something that you should want more of. But if you're honest, what you actually feel is nervous or scared or put off. And so there's this kind of like tension inside of you of like, this sounds really good. I know that it's good. I should want it. And I'm kind of hesitant about this. And so that's why we're wanting to explore this question today. And so some of you, if you've been in, again, in a church context at all, some of you may have seen things happen in meetings that just frankly are quite weird or freaky or odd. And some of you may be in a position where actually you're disappointed because you really wanted to feel something and you didn't. I'm sure some of us can relate to that. And maybe some of you just don't like the idea of being out of control. And the presence of God feels a little bit like that. It feels a bit too scary, like, ah, I'm not going to be fully in control, and that makes me nervous. And that's, though all those things are normal. All those things we as humans will probably experience. And I've been there. I understand some of those hesitations. And, you know, just as we're talking about this, 
I thought, let's just go into what some of the manifestations of the presence of God are. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are some of the things that maybe you've experienced, maybe you've seen happen. Um, and so let's just go through that list really quickly. So first one is, is just finding peace, calm. Like when, the present, when you're near to the presence of God, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and you may just be washed in a wave of peace. I mean, that's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> what a great thing to experience in his presence, peace and calm. Then there's love. Some people describe it as liquid love. <laughs> Interesting description, but that's what they're feeling. Or joy, bubbling joy, joy that just keeps coming. I mean, I've even heard it, it, in the Bible, we're not going to get into this passage, but, but what Don read, Moses comes down from the mountain later on and his face is glowing. I mean, I've never seen that happen, but I know that it can happen. <laughs> glowing in the, from the presence of God coming. Then there's laughter. Hysterical laughter. Laughter that just keeps coming and coming and coming. That happens in the presence of God. And then you get into some more interesting ones. Trembling or shaking or even falling to the ground and entering into like a trance-like state, just kind of falling down. <laughs> um, some people experience heat. Some people experience like goosebumps on their arms or on their back. And then there's groaning or weeping. It, sometimes when the presence of God is really thick, people are moved to tears or just groaning as they're, as they're encountering God's presence or calling out to him. All of these things can take place, and this is not an exhaustive list, like I said. And, you know, you look at this list, and, like, the first three that I talked about, like the peace, that sounds great, liquid love, I'll take that, a little bit more joy, those sound great. But then when you get further down the list, if you've not experienced some of those other things, that's when we're like, okay, that's where maybe we'll just kind of stop there. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to have any of those things happen. Um, we have this natural resistance to it, you know? And, and I think a good question to ask is, why does that happen? Why do these really interesting things happen sometimes when we come into the presence of God? And the best explanation I have is that when Almighty God enters the room and touches our earthly frames, we're going to respond in some way when we have like the creator of heaven and earth come encounter our fragile bodies. It's likely that we're going to respond physically to his almighty presence. And you know, I'm okay with that because, you know, why, why wouldn't his presence be sensory in some way? You know, he's created us as a holistic being spirit, soul, and body. So why shouldn't we experience him in our physical beings as well? It's not just a mental thing. We don't just want to engage mentally with the presence of God, like, okay, I understand this, it's logical. And we don't want to just engage spiritually, but we can also engage physically as well. Like, what a gift he's given us in being able to experience his presence uh, in this way. So, of all those things listed, I've definitely personally experienced many of those things, um, and whilst I don't understand it all, I do want to say this, make this statement, that the fruit of being in God's presence surpasses the weirdness that sometimes surrounds it. <laughs> the fruit of being in his presence is what, is, is what we're, we're looking at, and it's okay to judge something by the fruit of what you're experiencing. So if it's not good fruit, actually, we don't need it. But if it's good fruit, I'll take it. So a side note as well is that as we're talking and we're getting into this series on 
the presence of God. It's important that, that you know that we are not chasing after manifestations. We're not like measuring your experience with God by that list at all. What we're doing is we're chasing after Jesus. <laughs> we're chasing after knowing him and meeting with him and he decides what how he releases manifestations. He touches us uh, and we respond differently to his presence in different ways at different times that we are not chasing after manifestations. If they come, we we welcome them as as part of his presence in this place, but we're we're after him. Does that make sense? He's the one that we're after. <clears throat> so I wanted to give you just a few examples in my own life um, in ways that I've experienced his presence. Um, and, it, you know, following his presence is a passion of mine, um, and I want people to be led into that place as well. And so hopefully some of these will encourage you. But, you know, that first one on the list was talking about peace and calm. And... Um, I am, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, um, which is the peacemaker, which means that peace is like high on my list for a need to experience. I need to experience peace uh, on a daily basis or I am like really out of sorts. <laughs> and so, um, so for me, I, um, I do experience the peace of Christ on a daily basis. Um, at least, I'd like to say it was all the time, it's not, but, I'm, but I make sure that I'm meeting with God on a daily basis so that his peace washes over me. I have at least one moment in my day, maybe multiple moments, hopefully multiple moments in my day, where there's an exhale that happens, I can give to the Lord whatever I'm carrying, and his peace just transcends on me. And just for that moment in time, everything's okay. <laughs> All is one with the world. <laughs> and I need, I need that. Um, and, and, I'm, and, I, and I have it on a daily basis. Um, and, and so the fruit, the fruit of encountering him then leaves me in a place of being uh, washed in his peace and knowing his reassurance that he's with me. Um, I've had really dramatic experiences. Um, it was in uh, 2009. I was at a women's conference in Thailand and uh, the presence of God just seemed to be really thick in that place, especially during our times of worship. And I found myself breaking out into laughter, like all, like a lot, a lot, a lot. And when I'm talking about laughing, I'm talking about like hard laughing for 15, 20 minutes, maybe longer, um, belly laughs. Um, and this happened every day for, um, for about five or six days straight. And the, the fruit of it was that I had a, uh, I'd been living with depression in some way for a number of years in my life. And uh, after leaving Thailand, the depression had lifted. I mean, lifted, lifted. Like, it was not there at all. And so I'd, I'd had these encounters with the presence of God where I was laughing <laughs> over and over and over again. You know, and, and maybe in the moment, I wasn't exactly sure what was going on, but the fruit of it was that I went to Thailand with a fog of depression that had been there for years, and I left and, and without it. So that's good fruit, isn't it, to have an experience God in that way. Another experience I had one time actually was in this building, and I had been, somebody had been praying for me, and, um, and the power of God um, touched, 
touched me in such a strong way that it felt like an electrical current just surging through my body. I mean, I was, I was on the ground, I was shaking, I was trembling, and actually it was very, it was quite violent. <laughs> it wasn't painful at all, but, but man, it was just like, it was very, very strong. Um, and on that particular occasion, whilst that was happening, um, God began to speak to me about some things in my future. I, um, he gave me a vision of something and, um, and began to talk to me about some things that were going to unfold um, in the years to come. And so the fruit of that encounter was actually some direction for my life. And then interestingly, and this is, the last, this is just the last thing I'll share, um, I had a season of my life, so it wasn't just a one-time thing. I had a season, very interesting, for about a year. Um, perhaps not every time we came to church, but it was like one of those things where often I could not make it through a, a time of worship without um, involuntarily falling to the ground. <laughs> just like Todd would be standing there, and I'd be next to him one moment, and then the next moment he looks down, and I'm on the ground. You know, just like over and over and over again, the weight of God's presence, just I would just like succumb to it. Um, and it didn't just happen at church. It would, <laughs> it would happen in my home. I'd be like, trying to make dinner, and then I'm on the ground. I mean, it was really a, a very interesting season. Um, unfortunately for my kids, they were all very young and uh, very uh, unnerved by what was happening. So, Daddy, why is Mommy on the floor? Dad, why is Mommy shaking? Why is she laughing? You know, the poor kids were trying to figure out what on earth was happening to their mom at the time. Um, but it was just this season of, of, of um, yeah, encountering his presence. And as I look back on it, what was the fruit? from that time. The fruit of it was that God began to resensitize me, awaken me more to what his presence was like. So I, I was aware of, oh, this is what the presence of God feels like in my life. Another a thing that happened, fruit from it, was that God was doing a deep work of healing in my life. So I had some wounding, I had some baggage from years past, and it needed to be dealt with. And in God's goodness, in those times where I was kind of just you know, under, under the influence of his presence, he was healing me. It wasn't an instantaneous thing, but over the course of this period, there was some deep healing that happened in my life. So praise God. I'm so grateful for the presence of God and for encountering him in that way. So some of these things, as I've just shared a few things with you, were definitely outside of my comfort zone and certainly looked odd to anybody who was around me. Um, but we see so many instances, too, of very strange uh, uh, encounters with the presence of God in, in the Word. So we're just going to go back to that passage um, that Don, uh, Don read earlier. And so just to set the scene, um, Moses had just led the Israelites out of Egypt, okay? And God is about to give to Moses the Ten Commandments, like the Ten Commandments. So this is a really big moment. So we'll pick up there. This is in um, Exodus 19. So it says, On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all of the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke and from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. 
As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. So wow, <laughs> that's intense. Fire and smoke and, and an earthquake apparently. So what's happening here? As I said, this, God's about to release the Ten Commandments and through his presence and through these outward displays, he's actually establishing his authority with the people of Israel. They're forming a new nation and he's establishing his authority with them and showing them how they're going to be governed. And he's demonstrating his holiness and power through these like crazy displays in the natural fire and smoke, etc. And, you know, there's lots of other accounts in the Old Testament where God chooses to display his presence in ways that move people to honor his commands and his holiness. And the Jewish people even had a word for this. It was called kabod. And kabod just referred to the weight, the majesty, the power, the strength of God, all those things wrapped up into one, the glory of God, the, the weight of God, this is what was happening on Mount Sinai, the, the kabod of, of God being displayed. Because there's, again, there's this concept of like God is holy. This is what Todd talked about last week. God is holy and we cannot approach him with our sin. <laughs> He's too holy. We will die in his presence. And the Jewish people understood this. But there, there's, a, there's something that I really love about this. And um, if you've heard of the teacher Graham Cook, he, de he describes this really, really well. He said, in the Old Testament, the way in which God showed his presence was a culture of visitation. A culture of visitation. <clears throat> so, God's presence would come, but it would visit the earth. So, he would come and he would temporarily rest upon a person or upon a place. He would visit and then he would lift. He would visit and then he would lift. So he came down from heaven. He covered Mount Sinai. He would fill the temple at times with a cloud or he would rest even, there's other examples where he would rest upon a person and they would begin to prophesy. The Spirit of God came upon. That's a phrase that's used often with the prophets in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God came upon, and then they would, they would uh, bring the message that God had intended. So it was a visitation from God to the earth. But in the New Testament, and this is now the era that we live in, so after Jesus, in the New Testament, things shifted. As we said, God sends Jesus to break down the barriers that separate us from God, and through his blood, he makes us righteous so we can access his presence at any time. And then, following his death, following his resurrection, following Jesus' ascension to the earth, God releases his presence corporately through the Holy Spirit. This is demonstrated at Pentecost. We just read this a few weeks ago, but we'll just read it again quickly just as a reminder of what happened in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. So what happened here in this story 
was a game changer for the rest of humanity. And Graham Cook points out that this, the whole church shifted from the experience of God's presence as a visitation now to a culture of habitation. Okay? So, it moves from visitation to habitation. So God no longer just visits us, but through his spirit, he inhabits us. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Never leaving, always here. So just to contrast again, in the Old Testament, God visited his people. In the New Testament, what we're living in now, after Jesus, uh, God now inhabits his people. In the Old Testament, God temporarily came down. Okay? In the New Testament, God dwells permanently in the hearts of his people. Awesome. In the Old Testament, they feared the presence of God for the sake of not dying, right? In the New Testament, we now welcome his presence in order to be filled by it and empowered by it. It's a big difference, isn't it? Now, it's not to say we disregard the holiness of God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> God is holy, and we need to be holy as well, but, but we can now approach him and know that his holiness will cause us to become holy like him. We're changed in his presence. His holiness changes us. So there's a big difference here. So this is good news. Okay, so let's go back to that question of, is the presence of God safe? Okay, so if you were living in the Old Testament, we know what the answer would be. No, <laughs> actually, everyone knew if you got too close to the presence of God, you might die, right? So that's why uh, God would only visit, God's so good, God knew this, God, you know, God wants to protect his people, so in his goodness, he would, only, he would visit his people in specific measured ways. The high priest could come, could come as close as possible to him after purification rites, but it was only in short measures. Okay, so fast forward to the New Testament. What if you were in the upper room with all those believers and you're gathered there and you've just experienced Pentecost and they, and they were asked the question, is the presence of God safe? What would they say? I think maybe you need to ask another question or maybe they would ask this question to us. What do you mean by safe? <laughs> what do you mean by safe? If by safe you mean, um, you know, you're kept from harm you're not going to die, then yes, you're, sa then you're safe. Yes, his presence is absolutely safe. But if by safe you mean predictable, no, no, no. <laughs> then his presence might not feel so safe if you're wanting predictability. Because we don't always know where he's leading. And things may get out of our comfort zone at times. But we're likely to be changed in his presence, though. So, going back to the last part of that quote from Mr. Beaver to the Pevensey children. Safe. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's good. He's good, so we can trust him. And so, church, that's why... We don't have to be afraid as we're approaching the presence of God, as we come into the presence of God, as we pursue the presence of God. And it's why we're encouraging us to do so, because he's good. He's good. 
He changes us in the process. And if it means that I can have more of him in some way, then count me in. I want it. (laughs) I want more of God. I want more of him. Whatever way he wants to bring it. And so we just have to come to this place. And I know that many of you are here already. But some of us maybe need a little bit of encouragement. We have to come to this place where we really, really believe that the presence of God, the proximity of God, the nearness of God to me carries with it a blessing. A blessing. And being in his presence is going to bear good fruit in our lives. You know, what if there are moments just waiting for you like the Pevensey children where you're, you're going to have a before Aslan and after Aslan. <laughs> you're going to have a before I met Jesus in this way and after I met Jesus in this way and your life is transformed in some way. I believe he has something like that for each of us and not just once but many times throughout our lives. They're like surprises. We don't know when it's going to happen but I do believe that Part of that is pursuing him, pursuing his presence and going for it. And he gives gifts to his children along the way. So church, we need his presence. We were created for his presence. And Jesus died to reverse the curse of separation so that we could experience more of him. And we can trust that the fruit of being in God's presence is good. He is safe, and he is good. He is safe, and he is good. So, as I've shared today, my hope is that it's stirred something in you to hunger for more, to be willing to take that next step closer to him, inviting him in. God, I want more of your presence in my life, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. And so I want to lead you in a, just a short time of prayer um, before we, uh, we, we close today. So, band, you can come up, and then we're just going to take a few moments to pray. But before we get into that, I just I wonder if we need to begin with just praying about some of our hesitations that we may have. And I listed a few of them earlier on this morning. Some of you might not have any hesitations. That's great. But some of us have a few. Maybe we've been disappointed. We had hoped to meet with God in some way and it didn't happen. Or we'd seen others maybe experiencing God in some way and wondered, why hasn't that happened to me? Maybe we've taken some offense towards God as a result of it. Some of us may have been in situations where it was a bit confusing what was happening. And maybe, maybe those who were in the room didn't handle it well, and you left kind of with a bad taste in your mouth about it. And, and maybe some of you just don't like the idea of being out of control in any way. And I understand that. But I'm just wondering if, if now would be the time and place for you to lay some of those things down and just kind of say again, God, I trust you, and I want more of what you have for me. 
And so I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer. Now, this is between you and God. You don't have to pray out loud. You can whisper. You can, you can, this is between your heart and God. Um, I'm going to lead you in some prayers that if they resonate with you, then I would just encourage you to repeat them after me where you are while you're sitting. Um, and when we're, when we're done with that, then we'll also take some time to invite God's presence this morning. And we'll just, we'll just take a moment just to sit and wait and see how he might want to move in this time. And then we'll go into our time of worship. So let's just close our eyes for a minute and focus on the Father. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer now and just repeat it after me if this resonates with you. Father, today I want to lay down my past experiences that have held me back from trusting you. The areas of confusion or hurt maybe that you've had. Maybe there have been some places of disappointment. Just bring those to mind right now and, and give them to the Father. You could, just, you could just pray, Lord, I lay these down at your feet. I lay down these experiences at your feet. And as we, as we stay in this attitude of prayer, maybe there's a person or maybe there's a church or a situation where you need to forgive. Maybe something that left kind of a bad feeling in you. So if something, if something comes to mind with that, and you should, you'll probably know pretty quickly if there is, you can pray something like this. Father, I forgive them. I forgive this person, or I forgive the church that I was in for the way in which they mishandled your presence, and it hurt me. I forgive them. And Father, I lay down my hesitations about drawing near to your presence. Father, I lay down control where I've simply been afraid of the unknown. And now, I invite you. I invite you to show up in my life in whatever way you want to. I want more of your presence, and I invite you to fill me afresh today. I invite you to come and help me to experience more of who you are. If that's a prayer of your heart, just put it, you can put that in your own words. Father, we invite your presence. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. We want more of you. Come and have your way in this place. We invite you now. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's just wait. We're okay with silence. Just wait for a moment. 
Some of you might begin to feel just a weight on your shoulders, a weight on you, but it's a good weight. It's the glory of God. It's the presence of God. Come, Holy Spirit. More of you, God. More of you. More of you. Some of you might be experiencing just peace. It's good. Just receive it. God, I want more of you. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your presence. Make us aware of you. While we're sitting here, I feel like God's wanting to release healing as well. Some of you are going to leave today and notice things that are corrected in your bodies. The healing presence of God. And as His presence comes there's going to be weight that's lifted off of you. Depression, worry, anxiety, that's lifting even now as his presence is drawing close. Thank you, Father. Thank you that there's peace in your presence. Jesus, thank you that you take away all anxiety. You take away our worries. You take away our fears. We cast it at your throne today. All concern, all anxiety, we leave it at your throne, and we receive your peace in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you, God. We love you, Father. We love your presence. We invite more of you in this place. pray that all of my friends here today and watching online would be able to leave this place in a greater connection with you, a greater place of trusting you, a greater place of inviting you in because we want, we want all that you have. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude our time with a time of worship, so Feel free to stand if you're being ministered to by the Lord. Feel free to sit still, but we're going to close it in this time with worship. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk.
forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.